0: This morning, I would love to just dive into the message. You may be seated. Thank you so much for, for worshiping with me this morning. Um, like I said, for those of you who don't know, my name is Jason David. Uh, I lost 80% of my tongue to cancer. I was told I would never sing or preach again. And last November was my first time getting back on the road, and it was here in Arkansas that we got to kick things off. So, this is like a homecoming for us, for my wife and I. This is like a homecoming and, and really celebrating what God has done uh, in our life. Today, I want to bring back an old church tradition. Uh, is it cool we can to do like an old church tradition? It's, um, it's something that they began in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, anytime they would go to read the Word of God, to read the Scriptures uh the congregation would stand to their feet now i know we're in our cars so you just pretend like you're standing just sit up straight pretend you're standing uh but those of you who are with me at the front do you mind would you stand for the reading of the word this morning amen today's reading comes from first peter chapter one verse one i peter you may be seated thank you so much for standing for the word of god Thank you so much. Thank, you are awesome. You're just getting out of his car and standing. Um, that's today's scripture verse. First Peter 1 Peter 1.1. I, Peter. In other words, my name is Peter. And that's our scripture verse today. Because that phrase is so meaningful and so powerful. And sometimes we read the Bible too fast. We're just reading the Bible like, my pastor told me to read a chapter a day, so blah, 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 blah. This person begot that person. And check, I don't know what I read, but I did it. And we read the Bible so fast. But here's the thing. The first time I read that verse, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. My name is Peter. I was like, what? What? His name's not Peter. That's what's so powerful about that verse. Peter was not his name. It's that's, that's like me starting my book. My name is Tom. And people are like, no, it's not. Your name's not Tom. His name was not Peter. He was born with a different name. His name was Simon. Everyone say Simon. Simon. Now, where did he get that name from? And what does that name mean? Well, to tell you that, we have to go on a wild adventure in the Old Testament. It's a crazy story. I'm really excited to tell you about this story. So we're going to rewind to the book of Genesis. And I'm going to introduce you to two sisters. Everyone say, two sisters. You have an older sister and a younger sister. I'm going to introduce you to them. The older sister, her name was Leah. Older sister's name was. Leah. Say it again. Her old, the older sister was Leah. Leah, that's right. Now, back then, do we, if your if your name is Leah now, um, it's a beautiful name. Don't be offended. Back then, the name was translated "wild cow." Okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Not now. If if we have any Leahs here, God loves you. That's not what your name means now. Your parents didn't know. Like, way back then, the name was translated, Wild Cow. The Bible describes Leah as being older. Now, how many women would hate that description? Like, right? Amen? Like, I'm getting to that age now where I'm like, when I was younger, I was like, no, I'm older. I'm older. And now I'm like, no, I'm younger. You know, like. I stopped counting my birthday now. Um, It describes her as being older and not very pretty to look at. (laughs) And that's in the Bible. (laughs) It's such a sad description. Now, it gets worse, my friends, because she had a younger sister. Her younger sister's name was Rachel. Everyone say Rachel. Rachel. Thank you. Younger sister was Rachel. So let's do a trivia. What was the name of the older sister? Leah, Leah, which is translated wild cow. And the younger sister's name was Rachel. When the Bible describes Rachel, it says Rachel was beautiful in face and in form, which parents, it's basically saying she's a Coke bottle, all right? Rachel is a hashtag Coke bottle. The Bible says she was beautiful. Now, if you're the older sister, Leah, that kind of hurts. You're described as being older and not really pretty to look at. And then your younger sister is known as being beautiful. Can I tell you something? It was hard to grow up and be Rachel's older sister. Your whole life, you're living under your younger sister's shadow. She's the one who's always invited to the parties. You're just kind of the tag along. When people say they want to hang out with Leah, what they really mean is we want to hang out with Rachel. Have you? I don't, don't raise your hand, but you, have you ever felt you had to live under someone else's shadow? Maybe it was someone at school. Maybe it was a friend. They were always more popular than you. They were always more liked than you. You kind of felt invisible. People didn't really want to be with you. That's how Leah felt. But you know what? Leah had something very hopeful she was looking forward to. She could not wait. You know what it was? She could not wait to get married. She thought her wedding was going to fix everything. Have you ever met someone who thought their wedding was going to fix everything? And maybe it just made things worse? Like... They thought, I can't wait to get married. Once I get married, I will finally be loved. Because her whole life, she felt unloved. Well, her and her sister, they're at this farm, and they meet a boy. (laughs) They meet a boy named Jacob. And Jacob sees Leah, and he's not attracted to her. He sees Rachel. And he's like, wow, Rachel is beautiful. But you know what, my friends? Leah had something very hopeful. In that culture, the older sister got married first. So Leah knew, at least my wedding will happen first. I'm going to find a husband first. I'm going to be loved first. Well, Jacob wants to marry Rachel. So he goes to Leah and Rachel's dad, and he says, hey, I see see Rachel, I'd like to marry her. And their dad says, if you work for me for seven years, seven years, I'll let you marry her. So Jacob's like, okay, so he works for seven years to marry Rachel. You know what Rachel's dad didn't tell him? That in their culture, the older sister gets married first. He kind of forgot that detail. So Leah cannot wait. In seven years she's gonna be married to Jacob. And Jacob's a good looking guy. She can't wait. Her wedding night comes. And I don't know, maybe they didn't have electricity. I don't I don't know what happened. But Jacob thinks he's marrying the younger sister Rachel. And I'll just I'll just fast forward to the next day. Wakes up that morning, realizes that's not Rachel. I'm with Leah. Now, as weird as this story is from Jacob's perspective, honestly, that dude got what he wanted anyway that night. Can we just be real? I'm going to talk about Leah. <laughs> He didn't need electricity. Now, but Leah, think about this. Your whole life, you have felt unloved, and you could not wait for your wedding night. But the next morning you wake up and all you see is disappointment in your husband's eyes. You know how, how tragic that is for Leah. All she wanted was to be loved. But when she wakes up with her new husband, he is disappointed that she isn't her sister. That's how she's felt her whole life. She showed up to the party. Oh, oh, it's okay. It's just Leah guys. It's not Rachel her whole life. It was always like, oh, it's just Leah. When's your sister coming? And now her husband's treating her the same way. So Jacob goes to her dad and says, hey, what's the deal? I wanted Rachel, not Leah. So her dad says, okay, if you work for me for another seven years, you can marry Rachel right now. My friends, Leah gets like one week with her husband, and then she's cast to the curb, and Rachel gets to marry her husband. Weird story, I know, it's not Game of Thrones, it's actually in the Bible. It's a weird story. Leah continues to feel unloved. But you know what? She's got hope. She says, I know what will fix this if I have a baby, right? How many people have you met who thought, oh, I can fix this marriage with a baby. So she thinks if I have a baby, he will have to love me. It doesn't work. She gets pregnant. She has a baby, and she names her baby Simeon because she says, the Lord heard that I was unloved. Simeon gets the name Simeon based on her feeling unloved. Can you imagine being a little Simeon? Hey, Mommy, how did I get my name? Well, your dad doesn't love me, (laughs) And, and, and that's why you named me this? Yes. You could have just made something up. You didn't have to tell me that. Simeon basically means I am unloved. And Simeon is where we get the name Simon. Simon. Who later will write 1 Peter chapter 1 and say, My name is Peter. My name is not Simon. Simon was a disciple of Jesus, whose name was changed to Peter by Jesus. Jesus comes to Simon. Simon, whose name comes from Simeon, which basically means nobody likes me. And Jesus says, Simon, I am changing your name. I am changing your identity. I am changing the way that you view yourself. You have a very unhealthy way of how you look at yourself. I'm going to change that. And I'm going to name you Peter. Now, when we hear the name Peter, we think of it as a name, right? Peter, Pan, Peter, Parker. To us, Peter is a name. But when Jesus actually said Peter, it wasn't a name. It literally meant rock. So like, it's like me being like, hi, your name is plant. Like it's just, it's not, it's not a name. It, your name is cloud. It's not a name. It's a thing. Jesus came to Simon and said, you know what? Hey, what's your name? Oh, my name. It's a, uh, my name is, I am unloved. That's my name. And Jesus is like, no, it's not. Your name is rock. Your name is Boulder. Your name is mountain. Your name is stone. Your name is concrete. Your name is cement. And when you introduce yourself to other people, I want you to say, Hello, my name is Rock. My name is Strong. My name is Warrior. Not, Hi, my name is Unloved. Very different. But my question to you is at what point Did Simon become Peter? Here's what I mean. I don't mean at what point did Jesus call him Peter? No, no, no. At what point did Simon realize he was Peter? At what point did he let his identity shift and step into this new identity of Peter? Because God can call you rock and you still see yourself as a pebble, right? Right? God can call you warrior and you still see yourself as weak. I want to know, at what point did Peter realize, I am Peter? I have two theories. I'm going to walk you through them real quick. To to get to these theories, we're going to look at two different nights of Peter's life. First, we're going to look at the best night of his life. And then we're going to look at the worst night of his life and see if we can figure out at what point did Simon truly become a rock? Let's begin with the best night of his life. Peter, Simon Peter, he's on the boat with his disciples, uh, with, with Jesus' disciples. And all of a sudden they see something in the distance, something scary. They think it is a ghost. But Simon's like, that's, that's not a ghost. That's Jesus walking on water. That's crazy. Jesus is what I've tried walking on water. My whole life, I went to the pool and the community pool and I would put on my floaties just in case. So obviously I didn't have that much (laughs) And I would walk up to the pool and be like, this is my day. Here I go. Jesus, help me out. Jesus, take the wheel. And then I'd like just walk and I would just walk right into the, the water every time. Every time. Just walk right into the water, get wet, walk out and be like, all right, maybe tomorrow I'll have more faith. I've tried walking on water. It's never happened. Simon Peter sees Jesus walking on water. And he says, Jesus, if that is you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come at me, bro. So Simon Peter takes his foot out of the boat And starts walking on water. And here's what's crazy. I don't think he knew how to swim. That's that's, what's amazing about the whole story. I'm not sure. Maybe he did. He was a fisherman. But what happens next kind of tells me maybe he didn't know how to swim. He begins walking on water. And here's the point where most pastors focus on. Simon is walking on water. It's amazing. It's incredible. Nobody else has done it except for Jesus. But most preachers focus on this moment. Simon Peter looks at the winds and the waves, takes his eyes off of Jesus, and begins to sink. And too many times, all we focus on is that he began to sink, and not the fact that he just walked on water! He's He's the only disciple who walked on water. Why are we giving him a hard time? What about the other disciples? What were they doing? It's dangerous when we only focus on his failures because it makes other people not want to try. When we only focus on him making a mistake, other people are like, oh, I'm just staying in the boat because nobody talks about Andrew. No one preaches about John staying in the boat. No one talks about James staying in the boat. I'm going to be safe. I'm going to be convenient because I don't want them to be a sermon about how I failed. I want to know what the other disciples were doing in the boat. Do you know that Simon Peter's brother, whose name was Andrew, was in the boat? Watching his brother walk on wire. Can I tell you something? My brother and I are very competitive. Now, when I was a baby, my brother was like four. My parents let him name me. I was this close to being named Poopstick. Like, I mean, he was four years old. That was a dangerous. I could have been named Simeon. <laughs> But I grew up, and my brother and I loved sports, so we were really competitive. If I ever saw my brother walking on water, I'm going to get out of the boat and race him. I can't let him win. I can't let him have that over me for the rest of our life. Anytime we have a disagreement, he's like, all right, all right, but which one of us walked on water? Come on, Stephen, stop bringing that up. I want to I know what the other disciples were doing in the boat. Why didn't they try to walk on water? I have a theory. Maybe, maybe they just didn't want to get wet. You know? And here's why I have that theory. When I was younger, our church went to the summer camp up in Portland, Oregon. And they had this big lake. And we had a bunch of these little kids with us. And this one kid, he was from South Africa. He was just the sweetest kid. Had this... This rich South African accent. And we loved him. His, his name was Clayton. And, and we just loved this kid. And uh, he really wanted to take a canoe and go out onto the lake. So him and, and one of his friends, they, they got in this little canoe. And they took it out to the middle of the lake. And then, while they're out there, all of a sudden, we just see the canoe go full-on Titanic. It just lifts up in the air and starts sinking. The violin starts playing. And it's just like, like just sinking. And there's a lifeguard. There is a lifeguard on duty, watching this entire thing take place, and doing nothing. This kid doesn't know how to swim. So he's, he's sinking in this canoe, just trying to stay above water. Now, our senior pastor's daughter was watching this. And she's like in her full-on clothes and everything, but she quickly jumps into that water. Like full on Wonder Woman, and just swims out to the canoe, grabs both kids and the canoe. She saved the canoe and the kids, swims everyone back to shore. The lifeguard watched the entire thing. And then, my friends, (laughs) when she got out of the water, the lifeguard looked at her and said, You look good wet. He did not know that her father, the senior pastor, was standing right behind him. And I heard that pastor say words that I know are not in the Bible. He said things about that lifeguard's mother that I do not believe are true. Can I? T- he. It was a blessing to watch as a little kid. I watched this pastor just go at. I got to see the human side of that pastor because every pastor is a human too. Man, he went off. That lifeguard got fired, but not before they asked him, "Why did you not get in the water to save the kids?" And he said, "I didn't want to get wet." You're a lifeguard. What would you sign up for? This isn't Baywatch. Like, your job is to get wet. But I believe many of us as Christians, although we are called to be like lifeguards, many of us would rather stay in the boat and be convenient and not get wet and not be inconvenienced and not have to do things that... Take a little bit of faith. It might be a little bit of scary. My question to you is, are you Simon Peter or are you the disciples in the boat? See, many of us, we do something really dangerous. We compare ourselves to other Christians. We look at other Christians and we're like, mm, I'm doing better than her. So I must be okay. I'm, doing, I'm, I'm more of a Christian than that guy. But here's the thing. What if James... And John and Andrew were comparing themselves to the other disciples in the boat. They'd be like, well, James is here, so I must be good. John didn't get out of the boat, so I must be okay. Comparing themselves to disciples who never walked on water. We need to not compare ourselves to other Christians and rather listen to the voice of God. And if God tells you to get out of the boat and walk on water, who cares what the other Christians are doing? Who cares what the other disciples are doing? I am going to get out and walk on water because Jesus called me. If Jesus called me to do it, I don't care what you're doing. I only care about his validation. I don't need your likes and your follows on my social media. I just need to follow him. So in this moment, we're kind of seeing Simon become Peter. We're seeing a reed become a rock. But then he quickly becomes Simon again. And he sees the winds and the waves and he sinks. Listen, as God is calling you to a new identity, sometimes you're going to be spiritually bipolar. You're going to have good days and bad days. You're going to have days where like, today I'm a rock. And tomorrow I'm feeling unloved. And that's okay. It's part of the journey. But now I want to fast forward to one more night. The worst night of Peter's life. Because I think this is going to help us figure out at exactly what moment did Simon truly become Peter? Did he step into his identity? On the worst night of his life, he was with Jesus at the Last Supper. It was called the Last Supper... That should have been a clue. Just kidding. It wasn't called Last Supper yet. He's with Jesus, and Jesus says, Hey, tonight, tonight, I, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be taken. Tonight I'm gonna be arrested. I'm, I'm gonna be murdered. And Peter says, Jesus, I'll die with you. I'll die for you. And Jesus says, Peter, honestly, that's cool that you you're saying that. But truth is, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's offended at that. He's like, Jesus, come on. We're, we're bros. I would never, I would never betray you. Dun, dun. Then the night begins. Peter's with Jesus and they go, and they go to um, a garden. And Jesus says, hey, let's pray. Let's pray. And you know what Peter does? He falls asleep. <laughs> Anyone ever fallen asleep during prayer? He falls asleep, and Jesus has to wake him up. He says, hey, people are going to come arrest me. I need you to pray with me. And Peter's like, yeah, I got you, amen. And then falls asleep again. All of a sudden, Peter wakes up, and in the distance, he sees some torches. It's nighttime. They don't have lights out there, but he sees light coming from the distance, orange, flickering fire. He sees a mob, a mob armed with weapons, and they are headed to his garden. To the garden that he's at. They show up. And they arrive. And they attempt to arrest Jesus. They're going to arrest Jesus. And Peter. Peter who by the way was a cussing fisherman. All right, he's a cussing fisherman. He is hiding a dagger on him. He has He has a sword on him. Okay, listen, I know some of you are like, I don't know if, if I can really follow Jesus. Have you tried to murder anyone? If, even if you have, so did Peter. So you're okay. God can use you because Peter takes out his sword and cuts a dude's ear off. I've sometimes thought that maybe I should get into the Halloween costume business for Bible characters. I could, like, do a whole line of Bible character costumes. I could have Samson and a lion and stuff like that. I would have one for Peter. And it would come with a sword and a detachable ear. And it would fly off the shelves at Halloween, right? I see some people would say they would buy that. Amen. Now, here's the thing. He wasn't aiming for a dude's ear. Because that would be precise ninja stuff. No. He was trying to cut the dude's head off. And the guy ducked. And he got his ear. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter tried to murder someone. He tried to kill someone. God can use you. Even if you've tried to kill someone, God can use you. Because Peter tried to murder someone. You're okay. You're doing okay. This quickly becomes the worst night of Peter's life. Jesus gets arrested. Jesus gets taken to a trial. It's a sham trial. It's rigged. The witnesses are lying about Jesus. Jesus is being beaten. His beard's being pulled out of his face. They're blindfolding him. They're spitting on him. They're beating him. And Simon Peter is following. He's watching. He's following what's happening. He sees Jesus being beaten. And he's scared that they're going to come for him next. All of a sudden, he's at this little campfire. He's at this little fireplace. He's watching what's happening to Jesus. And the little girl comes up to him and she says, Hey, I know you. You're with Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus. And Simon Peter, he's scared. He sees Jesus being beaten to a pulp. And he realizes if they find out I'm with him, they might hurt me. So in his fear, in his panic, he says, no, I don't know Jesus. I'm not with him. And someone else says, no, 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 I can tell by your accent. You're from Galilee. You're a disciple. You're with Jesus. And he's like, no. And then the Bible says he starts cursing at them. I don't believe and know him. Another person says, no, I've seen you with Jesus. He says, no. I'm not with him. And in that moment, the rooster crows. And the Bible says that he locked eyes with Jesus. Can you imagine the pain and the embarrassment of denying three times that you even know your best friend and then your best friend looks you straight in the eyes and your best friend even told you this would happen. Simon is embarrassed. He's ashamed of himself. And you know what he does? I, In my reading, it, my understanding is that he quits. In one night, my friends, in one night he tried to murder someone. He cussed out a little girl. And he betrayed Jesus three times. That's a rough... You ever had a rough night? You ever had one of those days where one bad thing was just the beginning of a whole day of bad things? You ever had one of those moments where for a whole day you are like, I'm an atheist today! It all began when someone cut you off in traffic. And you're like, I'm a little bit of an atheist right now. And then the principal called and your kid was in trouble again. You're like, I'm a full-on atheist right now. Peter quit He gives up on being a disciple. And he goes back to being a filthy fisherman. He thinks, you know what? I'm not good enough. I'm not good at being a disciple. I'm not good at following Jesus. And I'm tired of not being good at this. So I'm going to go back to the only thing I'm good at. I'm good at fishing. I'm a good fisherman. For some of us, it's hard. We, we beat ourselves up because we're tired of being bad at Christianity. We're like, I'm I'm bad at this church thing, but I'm really good at the party lifestyle. I'm really good at getting wasted on alcohol and passing out. I'm good at that. So I'm going to go back to the thing I'm good at. I tried following Jesus, and I don't know if Jesus even likes me anymore. Once again, Peter is feeling like Simon. He is feeling unloved. He feels unworthy. He feels that Jesus is disappointed with him and he's giving up. And then three days later. Rumor. There's a rumor in town that Jesus has risen from the dead. And Peter, who is acting more like Simon, is in his boat fishing. He's not with the disciples. He's by himself fishing. And Jesus shows up on the shoreline. And Jesus says, Peter, once again, he says, rock, cement, concrete, I see you. Let's have some fish and chips. Peter comes to the shoreline. They start eating some fish. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter must have been surprised by that question. You see, my friends, I've, I've gotten in trouble before. I, I, I've done things that I'm not proud of. When I was a first grader one time, I I put paint on my hands and just like graffitied the school. (laughs) I thought I was making art. I didn't realize it doesn't come off. And uh, the principal called me into the office. And when she asked me questions, she didn't ask me, Jason, do you love us? She said, Jason, what's wrong with you? Jason, what were you thinking? Jason, why can't you be more like your brother? (laughs) I imagine... That Peter was scared to talk to Jesus because he thought he knew what Jesus was going to say. Some of us, our fathers, said horrible things to us when we were growing up. And we sometimes picture that God's voice sounds just like my dad's voice. I imagine that Peter thought Jesus was going to say, Peter, what's wrong with you? You idiot. What were you thinking? Why can't you be more like your brother Andrew? Peter, I told you. I told you so. I told you you were a failure. I told you you were gonna, you were gonna mess this up. Look at you. You should be ashamed of yourself. I imagine that's what most people would have said to Peter. And I imagine that's what he thought Jesus was gonna say to him. But you know what Jesus said? Peter, do you love me? But wait a minute, Jesus, shouldn't we talk about the fact that I just tried to kill someone? Uh, yeah, but, but right now all that matters is, do you love me? Okay, but, but should we talk about the fact that I betrayed you three times and I cussed out that little girl? Yeah, Peter, I know about that, but I don't want to talk about that right now. I just want to talk about our relationship. Are we good? Are we okay? Do you love me? But Jesus, aren't you embarrassed of me? Aren't you disappointed in me? No, Peter, all that matters right now is, do you love me? That's all that matters right now. I didn't come here to bring up your past. I didn't come here to bring up your shame. I didn't come here to bring up your embarrassment. I came to let you know that I love you, and I just want to know, do you love me? Because if the answer is yes... Then that's all that matters right now. If the answer is yes, I can work with that. If the answer is yes, I can use you. I'm not scared of your past, Peter. I just want to know, do you love me? Now, the original translation, when Jesus uses the word love, he's using the word agape, which means, which means Peter, Do you love me unconditionally? The kind of love that you would die for me. But when Peter responds, yes, I love you. He uses the word phileo, which means like, I like you like a friend. So Jesus says, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Would you go to the moon and back for me? And Peter's like, I just want to be friends. I like you, but I don't know if I'm ready to fully commit myself to you. So Jesus asked him a second time, Peter, do you agape me? Would you die for me? And Peter says, Jesus, I like you like a brother. And then the third time, Jesus changes the question. When Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? He uses the word phileo. It's kind of like this in English. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, I like you. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, I like you. Peter, do you like me? And Peter says, yes. You know that I like you. Did you know Jesus changed the question so that Peter could get the answer right? I am blown away. At a God who would change the question so that I could qualify. A God who would say, okay, this is my standard for you, but I see you're only here. So I will come down to earth and be with you and then raise you up with me. I'm not expecting you to be perfect right now. You don't have to be perfect right now. I can work with all I need to know is do you love me? Do you like me? I can work with that. I don't care if you've cussed out little girls. I don't care if you tried to kill someone. I don't care if you've been ashamed of me. I'm not ashamed of you. You might have been embarrassed of me, but I'm not embarrassed of you. Peter, I love you. And I know, I know you love me. My friends, I've always wondered at what moment Did Simon become Peter? And I believe it was on that shoreline. Because the next time we see Peter, he gets up on stage and he begins to preach a gospel of Jesus Christ. And 5,000 people get saved. And the next time we see Peter, he begins to heal the sick. His shadow begins to heal the sick. The next time we see Peter, we never again see a Simon. What changed? What changed? I will tell you. He met the unconditional love of Jesus. And it was the goodness of Christ that leads to repentance. The goodness of Jesus transformed Simon's heart. And he said, if Jesus can love a wretch like me on my worst night. Listen, I know Jesus can love me on my best days. But do you know Jesus loves you on your worst days? If Jesus can love me on my worst day, then maybe I am a rock. I am loved. I am no longer Simeon. I am loved. The Bible says it's the goodness of Christ that leads to repentance. It's not judgment. It's not shame. It's not embarrassment. So I want to encourage you. First, if you feel like a Simon right now, I want you to know that Jesus loves you unconditionally. It doesn't matter your past. Sometimes we look at these Bible characters and we act like they're so holy and like these saints that we could never be like. Peter was an ordinary fisherman. He was just a guy with a blue collar job. He was just a man who tried to murder someone and God used him. He was ordinary and Jesus made him extraordinary. Because the point is, Jesus wants to take you and me as ordinary people and make us extraordinary. So if you're feeling like a Simon, I want you to know, you are a rock. When Jesus sees you, he sees a rock. And his prayer is that you would see yourself the way God sees you. The next time you look in the mirror, stop putting yourself down. That's God's creation you've been insulting. When you look in the mirror and you think you're ugly, you just insulted the Creator because He made you and He made someone beautiful. Don't insult His creation. View yourself the way God views you and He sees a rock. But my other my other encouragement for you is this. If there's someone in your life who's been acting like a Simon someone in your life who you've been praying that they would get saved and someone in your life who needs Jesus, can I remind you of this story? That it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance, not judgment, not shame, not embarrassment. So can I just encourage you that you would show the unconditional love and goodness of Jesus, not shame and embarrassment and judgment, When people feel judged, they're not coming to church. When people feel that you're constantly nagging them and judging them for their lifestyle, you're actually pushing them more away from God. God doesn't use judgment and shame. He uses unconditional love and goodness. That's what transforms hearts. It's the goodness of God. So you just continue to reflect the goodness and unconditional love of Jesus. And I believe that will transform any life. So I would like to end this morning with a song. I would like to sing this song over you. This song is called Imagine. And I'm just going to do it on the piano, just acoustically. And it says this. Imagine my surprise to find out that my life was worth more than dirt to you. Imagine my relief. To know and to believe that you would give your all for me. Am I really worth this much to you? Apparently, it's true. I am more than dirt. I am more than dust. You gave your life, so I will give my love to you. You know, you and I were made from the dirt. God breathed into the dirt. And created humanity. Sometimes we forget that God breathes. And we still focus on the dirt. And we treat ourselves like we are dirt. And we talk about ourselves like we are dirt. And we treat other people like they are dirt. Or less than dirt. But God breathed into that dirt. And made life. You are more than dirt. So never let yourself or anyone else. Make you feel inferior. Because God sees you. And he sees more than dirt. He sees someone worth giving his life for. And that's what this song is all about. took me from the dirt, and you bring life Now you take me from the hurt, in the deep of night And all is well inside, your arms open wide You've given me a new song for a new life Imagine my surprise To find out that my life is worth More than dirt to you Oh Imagine my relief To know and to believe That you would give your all for me Am I really worth to you. Apparently it's true. Oh, apparently it's true. You took me from the dirt and you breathed life, and now you take me from the hurt in the deep of oh, night. Your arms opened wide, giving me a new song for a new life. Imagine my surprise to find out that my life is worth more than dirt. Apparently it's true Apparently it's true Apparently it's true Oh I really will. Apart that cross I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin apart that cross Imagine my surprise to find out that my more than dirt to you yeah. Imagine my relief to know and to believe that you would give your all for me Oh, you are really worth this much. You're so worth The goodness of God leads to repentance. Dear God, we thank you so much for everyone who could come and be a part of this service today. May you remind them that they are unconditionally loved. That they are not unloved, but they are a rock. That you see a rock when you see them. May we see ourselves the way you see us. In Jesus' name, amen.